On today's Murder, She Wrote podcast, Jessica has to prove that her late husband did not commit murder when his lost cargo plane reappears 30 years later in a fantastic performance by Angela Lansbury. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Murder, She Wrote podcast. We watch every single episode of the hit 80s slash 90s show, Murder, She Wrote. Starring three-time Academy Award nominee, six-time Tony Award winner, and multiple Golden Globe and Emmy winner, Miss Angela Lansbury. Today I'm going to be talking about Season 5, Episode 7, The Last Flight of the, Dip- of the Dixie Damsel, air date December 18th, 1988. Going to be getting into the episodes that will be airing in 1989 when your host, me, was born. Alright, so first and foremost before I get into this episode, you guys, this is my second time recording this episode because, so this is my strategy and what I do when I do this. I watch the episode twice or three times. I do not take notes because I have to pay attention to the episode and memorize everything in my mind. If I'm taking notes, and writing stuff down that I can't pay attention. It's really weird. It's how I've been since I was born. Can't help it. Um, and then I rely on IMDb to basically remind me of the characters' names when I'm looking at who played said character. Well, Dale Robinson, who plays the character of uh, Lee, Dell Robinson, yes, who played Colonel Lee, who interacts with Jessica the most in the entirety of this episode, went uncredited. And because of that, I messed up the characters' names because I did not realize that he wasn't listed and got confused over who was who, recorded a whole entire episode where I had no idea who was who because I got confused. And now I know who is who. And the reason why this dude decided not to be credited was because he was mad at the show's rule for listing the guest stars alphabetically. So he decided he wanted no credit rather than have his name listed like the rest of the cast. So this dude literally thought he was better than everyone else. And his character of Lee, I actually had to look, you know, which I don't normally, I don't normally look at the episode, the next episode, because I want to be surprised, but... I was like, I'm so confused over who the who the characters, who is the one that's not being credited. And then I realized Lee appears in the next episode. So it's Dale Robinson who does not get, who did not want to be credited because he did not want to be listed alphabetically. Which is ridiculous because, I mean, his name, I don't know if they went by the, by the first letter of the person's name or the last letter of their name. But I mean, that's ridiculous that you don't want to be listed the same way everybody else is. So 
I got all the details completely straight in my mind. Now, so we got this. I mean, it is annoying when stuff like that happens, but I caught it in time and I didn't want to release the episode, so I decided to just re-record it. So this will be take two and you'll be hearing this one because I got all the details straight now. I mean, people make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. So as I'm recording this, it is Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day, my dear listeners. I hope that it is a good one, whether you have Valentine or not. Um, just remember, as Miley Cyrus has told us, we can buy ourselves flowers. Yep. And she won a Grammy, and I wanted to say, I wanted to talk about that in my last episode, but I was kind of scatterbrained with all the things I wanted to talk about since I hadn't posted an episode in a long time. But she won a Grammy, and I am so happy for her that she did. Totally well-deserved for that song. Also in my last episode, um, I mentioned about my neighbors who live downstairs underneath me and how they are um, complaining on me and stuff, and I want to clarify some things. Um, I said that the second complaint, they said that I needed to be evaluated and I wasn't taking my medication and all that stuff, and I do not. I take blood pressure medicine, I take allergy medicine, and I just started taking Nexium, which if you have frequent heartburn, um, I highly recommend Nexium Clear Minis if you have a hard time swallowing a pill like I do. If they wanted to sponsor me and make and have me do commercials for them, I'm totally down because it it works. It works. It's amazing. Um, and that's all the medicine I take. I do not take medicine for my ADHD or any other stuff because I took medicine for that my entire life and I did not like the way I was when I was on it. Um, and that is my choice to make my body my choice. Um, so the thing is, they told me that they were my best friends. They, they told me that they loved me over and over again and then just stopped talking to me. And I've lived here for seven years and I've never gotten a complaint. I pay my rent on time and you know, you know, there's this saying that goes around the internet. No one realizes how amazing it is to sit in your own apartment, eat snacks and watch a movie or something in your own space and feeling safe to do so. I feel like my space has been violated that I cannot do any of the stuff that I love to do without them wanting to complain on me about it. Now, so far it's been quiet, but just because they're, they haven't complained doesn't mean they won't. It's very, very annoying and I can't wait to move. And another thing that was annoying is the woman who lives across from me, who happens to be the sister of the dude who lives underneath me, um, has been my friend for seven years since I've lived here and has cut my hair almost every summer. So it is just kind of shocking that she would turn on me and unfriend me from Facebook for no reason at all. Um, so I've been kind of upset about that. And uh, I'm slowly getting over it and trying to move on with my life. 
trying to do the podcast and everything, and I'm going to try to put some more episodes out before February ends. Um, but that's, I wanted to clarify some things that I said in my story, because I'm the innocent victim in all of this. I did not do anything to annoy these people, and I don't understand why they're complaining on me, and they really need to get their own lives and leave me alone. Um, another thing, I was so scatterbrained in the last episode that I forgot to mention Toby Keith dying from cancer. Um, I grew up listening to his music. I mean, 90s country was was Toby Keith, pretty much. Um, all of his songs, Should Have Been a Cowboy, Me Too, um, My List, As Good As I Once Was. The list goes on and on of all of his songs, and he was such a good singer. And I freaking hate cancer, guys. You know, it took my father away. It, it's taken so many people that I love and so many famous people. And it's like, come on, please find a cure. I mean, I don't understand. People shouldn't have to die from cancer. They should just die from, you know, because it's the end of their life and that's it. And they shouldn't be in any pain or anything like that. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to go on another rant. But basically, I'm probably going to talk about my dad in almost every episode because... I read something online that says when you lose when you lose your father when you lose a parent, um, the grief from that never goes away. It's always there, and you just kind of learn to live with it and, and move on with your life. But it's he's never far from my thoughts, and he he's always there. I, I and I won't stop talking about him because he was my father, and I miss him. Um, so I hope that Toby Keith is at peace and I hope he got to meet my father. Another thing I wanted to talk about before I get into this episode, um, I watched the Marvels. I don't know if I mentioned that in the last episode, like Captain Marvel was in it, um, Marble Girl and Professor Marble, which I think are characters that are actually in the Marvel comic books. I don't know that much. Um... And it was really good, some parts at least. I mean, I really hate that you have to watch over like a billion movies to understand one story because they're all connected. I don't know why they all have to be connected. And like Marble Girl has her own TV show, which I did not know until after the movie was over and they recommended that I watch that. So I guess they introduced her before the movie in her own TV show. I have no idea. It is so hard to keep up with. I mean, the fact that we have an Iron Man, a Captain America, and then and then a Black Widow, and then a Incredible Hulk, and then we have the Avengers, and then we have sequels to their to their standalone films, and then sequels to the Avengers. It's like so it's too much for my ADHD brain to wrap around. And speaking of Disney, um, I don't know if I mentioned in the last episode, but there is going to be a Moana 2. I know that I mentioned a while back that there was going to be a live action remake of Moana, but uh, I guess they still plan to do that, but they're making a sequel to the original film that was released in 2016. Um, they have, they, re they, bleh, sorry, they released a teaser trailer this last week and it's kind of shocking. 
but they're going to do a sequel. They've also released a little bit more of a trailer for Inside Out 2, which I didn't mention that. And that was released in 2015. I don't understand why there's a sequel. They've also announced plans to do a Toy Story 5, which, honestly, I don't know what in the world that could possibly be about. I mean, you all remember that Buzz Lightyear movie? Um, it was very confusing. Um, and recently, with Moana having a sequel, there was this person on YouTube, this girl, who did Moana 2 and the Death of Disney, where she unearthed a quote from Walt Disney, where he said he didn't want, like, everybody wanted a sequel to Mary Poppins when it first came out in 1964, and he was like, no, we captured lightning in a bottle, and we're not going to make another sequel, and... So he'd be rolling, he, he'd be rolling in his grave knowing what's going on with his company. Um, and two people have come out and said, like, they don't understand the box office bombs they've recently released, and they don't understand why they're releasing so many sequels. But yet they're still doing it. Okay. Which, The Marbles was considered a box office bomb. And I did see the trailer in theaters when I went to go see Haunted Mansion and then and, and Indiana Jones, but it didn't look interesting enough for me to want to go to the movies to see it. And personally, I did like it um, for the most part. I thought there was a little bit of funny scenes here and there. There was some random moment where they go to a planet and the people sing, um, which was just randomly just thrown in there. And I really didn't understand the villain story. Um, a lot of people kept saying in their reviews, you have to watch Captain Marvel to understand what's going on in this movie. And I really don't know if I want to. Um, but I liked it for the most part. It's on Disney Plus. If you wanted to if you wanted to watch it, it was interesting. Um, but I would not watch it with your children because uh, cats turn into aliens and it's not good. It's not good. I just I did not understand that. And it was kind of creepy. It was kind of creepy. Um, so I watched the Super Bowl, <clears throat> not the Super Bowl itself, because I'm very confused by football. It's very confusing. Like, for instance, I turned, like, I wanted to watch the national anthem with Reba McIntyre, which awesome congratulations to her because she did the national anthem like 40 years ago at, um, a rodeo where she was on a horse and she got a recording contract. So it's like a 360 degree moment for her. And I'm so happy she did such a great job. Um, and I love her, grew up with her music too. I have this shirt that says, some of us um, grew up listening to Reba McIntyre's music and we're, and we're still cool or something like that, I don't know. But anyway, I remember like, I kept waiting for that to happen and they were just talking about all the different players and I got bored and I missed it because I flipped to a different channel. And um, I remember flipping back at one point and it had already started and all of them had jumped on top of the football. 
And I was like, they actually do that? I thought that was like just for a movie or something. But no, they apparently jump on the football. Don't ask me. Um, so I watched the halftime show. And for the most part, I found that it was really good. Um, not the opening because the Circus Olay people and the showgirl people, it was very confusing. Um, they were just standing around doing nothing. Um, and his white outfit was weird, but when he took his shirt off, I was like, woohoo, yes. And I've not seen a halftime show in a while. And I, and, um, I remember Usher's burn video when I was in 2004, when I was a teenager and boy, oh boy, was he hot then and he's still hot now. Yes. If you're new here, I am gay. If that is a problem for you, I'm sorry. You don't have to stay and listen to me, but this is a safe place for everyone. Don't care what gender, sexual orientation, or race you are. You belong here. Um, because I will provide hours and entertainment for you. Anyway, for the most part, I really liked it, but my best friend Jennifer, she, it just wasn't all that great. Um, so Kansas City won. Um, the team that Taylor Swift's birth boyfriend is on and uh for some reason they decided to make it news that oh she got to the super bowl just in time and she chugged a beer so did multiple other people i'm sure like don't come at me taylor swift fans i'm just saying and you all have to agree to a certain extent that all of us are getting really tired of hearing about Taylor Swift and her boyfriend, who is a football player, and her being at his games and all that. Even my best friend Jennifer is sick of it. I am too. It's like, okay, you so you got a boyfriend. That's great. Let her be. Stop reporting everything they do. I mean, who cares? And also, I don't know why they're bringing her in political stuff. I mean, it's just dumb. Anyway, moving on. Um, so during the Super Bowl, they premiered some trailers. And first and foremost, one of the ones I was really happy about and I'm really excited for is Wicked. As you all know, I went and saw Wicked in person in, I believe it was September. And OMG, it was the greatest like day of my life. And I had a lot of doubts about this film adaptation, but now seeing the trailer for this, oh my god, it looks good. I am so looking forward to this in November. I am definitely something to look forward to. I had my doubts about Ariana Grande being cast as Glinda, but OMG, she looks fantastic. But of course, people are already criticizing it, going... Uh, these are supposed to be high school students? Come on, people. Not every single person that is cast in a high school movie is, is an actual high school age student. I mean, look at Greece. But we totally believed that they were in high school. And they made us believe that they were. Speaking of Greece, it is, I believe it was either today or yesterday, was Shocker Conning's birthday, who played the role of Rizzo in Greece, and she's one of my favorite actresses, so happy birthday! No, you probably won't hear this, but I figured I'd say it anyway. I don't, I have no idea if she ends up on Murder, She Wrote, but that'd be so cool if she did. Um, but anyway, 
Um, so another trailer that was debated during the Super Bowl, Deadpool and Wolverine are apparently going to be in a movie together. I think Hugh Jackman is reprising his role again, even though he said he was not going to be playing Wolverine anymore. Make up your mind, dude. Um, but it seems to me that they watered Deadpool down. Like, he's with Disney now. He's owned by Disney. X-Men is owned by Disney. I know, confusing. Um, but it seems like he's been watered down, so I don't know. Um, and then they released a trailer that, I mean, I had heard about this last year. I saw a poster, and I thought it was fan-made, because you always see, like, um, this, this fan-made, like, art everywhere, and then you think that it's real, and I thought that it was fake. Because it had a poster for Twisters, and it had, like, a truck on it. And I thought, no way is that real. Well, it is. They're making a sequel to Twister. Originally released in 1996, starring Helen Hunt and, and Bill Pullman, um, as well as uh, Jamie Gertz and... Uh, Sookie's grandmother from True Blood was also in it. Um, and honestly, this trailer looked like a bunch of CGI mess. And ever since Twister has been released in 1996, that is what these movies have done. Tried to recapture the magic of Twister with having a bunch of like CGI, bad CGI tornadoes like Sharknado on sci-fi, and so many other disaster movies. And the, the special effects in Twister were done practically as well as with computer-generated industry, but it was subtle. And also, the people who were chasing these storms had personalities, had reasons for doing so, and it was just, it's a great movie. I can watch this movie again and again, because it's so good. And the trailer for Twisters looks absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. And the Oscars are going to be at a new time at 7 p.m. Because um, I don't know why. And then they're going to be hosted by Jimmy Kimball. So that's interesting. Um... So, please, Hollywood, come up with some original ideas. We need some original films. I mean, the only one I'm looking forward to so far right now is, is Wicked in November, and that's about it. Nothing else that I have seen trailers for makes me want to go see it. Like, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm thinking that the public is getting, is, like, probably really over, um superhero movies like I think somebody said something a while back that it's been overdone I don't know who said that there was some funny Super Bowl commercials like an Uber Eats commercial with Jennifer Aniston and David Swimmer from Friends um they had a Paramount Plus commercial where Patrick Stewart throws um Arnold from Hey Arnold over trying to throw him like over a, a mountain or something and he hits the mountain and doesn't end up going over the mountain and then 
Patrick Stewart's like, we have to, next time we should just throw something with pig skin, and Peppa Pig is sitting there going, uh-oh. And it's like, yeah, you should have just thrown Peppa Pig. My best friend Michelle doesn't like him. My best friend Jennifer doesn't like Peppa Pig, and neither do I. Annoying little cartoon for kids. Um, sorry if you like it, but I don't. Doesn't mean you have to. But you don't have to like it. It's just my opinion. But I really didn't understand the commercial because, like, Drew Barrymore was standing there next to him and was like, we can't throw a child. And I, I really didn't understand that. But it was funny. It was hilarious. Um, but there wasn't that many because I didn't watch the whole thing. Football confuses me. I'm not a sports person, sorry. Um, I hope that you all had safe little parties where you have food and fun and enjoyed yourself. Me and my best friend Jennifer, we just played Fortnite. We do that almost every night, and we have so much fun doing it. It's still fun to play Fortnite. Alright, so I think uh, I've covered everything I wanted to cover. Now, let's talk about this episode. And I swear I'm going to get the characters' names right this time because, oh boy, oh boy. I will say this is possibly my favorite episode of season five so far. Um, because Angela Lansbury gives such a beautiful performance in this episode. And it is, like, I hope she got a Golden Globe or an Emmy for this because she totally deserved it. It wouldn't be a surprise if she did because I felt her emotions in this. And it was, it was hard to watch at times. Alright, so we start off this episode with one of those old Universal newsreels that they would show at the beginning of movies or such when you would go to the movies. Um... A plane called the Dixie Damsel got lost in the Alaskan wilderness and the crew was feared lost, but they came home perfectly fine and we get to see what a young Frank Fletcher looked like and he was a very handsome man and he's so happy to be home that he kisses the ground when the plane they're on lands. So flash forward to the present day where Jessica gets a call from one of her friends, Betty, I think her name is, no, Bonnie, sorry, Bonnie Phelps, who basically tells Jessica that they have found the Dixie Damsel. And they could have done a better job, I will say, of making this a little bit more believable. Because the story goes that the plane was losing fuel and it was way too cold that the plane was freezing. And they had to abandon um, the plane. It was a cargo plane. And they all abandoned the plane and then had to survive in the wilderness for several days before they were rescued. And this is a big plane. And they found this plane, I guess, buried in the snow. But if you if you watch the episode with Sorry, um, it is still we're still on disc two of season five, so it is the um fourth episode on that disc, because there's five episodes on that disc. Or you can watch it on Freebie or, of course, on Peacock. And if you watch it and you see how big the plane is, 
How has this plane been lost for 30 years? Also, it's sustained no damage. As it says in the goofs, the Dixie Damsel supposedly went down at the time of the Korean War in the mountains of Alaska. The crew had bailed out and somehow the plane landed itself without being destroyed. The plane was found in reasonably good condition that it could be flown to the Air Force Base where the episode takes place. It is not explained how that happened. Okay? So... And then we have more info on Dave Robinson. Dave Robinson, who was a featured guest in back-to-back -back episodes, The Last Flight of the Dixie Damsel and Prediction Murder, is not credited in either show. The following explanation is given in the book, The Unofficial Murder She Wrote Casebook by John Robert. Um, Dale Robinson was one of the few... Murder, She Wrote performers to question the show's policy of listing the guest stars in the credit, credits in alphabetical order. According to then-executive producer and co-creator Peter S. Fisher, this arrangement didn't sit well with Del Robinson, who allowed as how he would just as soon have no billing. This was okay with us. He did two shows, we didn't break our top fee, and he didn't get billing. That was his choice, and I never knew why. Okay. And he plays the role of Lee. We'll get to him in a minute. I know. It is so frustrating. Because I did not know that until just now. But it is very frustrating. Alright. But I got all the names and stuff together now. So I got this. Okay. So. Basically. Miss, Mrs. Phelps tells Jessica. That they found the Dixie Damsel. Dixie Damsel. Sorry. Speech impediment. Coming out there with that. Um has been found and that they are taking it to an airfield. Well, when the crew abandoned the ship, they left all their stuff on it. They didn't take it. They didn't take anything with them but a parachute. So everything, I guess, has been perfectly preserved on the plane as if it wasn't touched for 30 years. So Jessica decides to go to the airfield and she meets her old friends, Major Clint Phelps and Bonnie Phelps. Who called her on the phone. We get a glimpse of what Jessica's life was like with Frank when she first arrives because before she goes into the visitor's lounge she sees a soldier getting in a car with a woman who is and at first they're in regular clothes and then we sort of have like a flashback where we see um, a man and a woman in 50s or 40s style of clothes um, hugging and kissing each other, which is Jessica and Frank. So Jessica shows up. She meets Major Phelps and his wife, her old friend, Bonnie. And we get introduced to Major Cooper, played by Richard Roundtree. And this was a kind of a really bad role for Mr. Roundtree um, because this is a dude who played Shaft. I mean, he has played multiple characters and has had a career that has spawned multiple decades and this is just a really terrible terrible role for him because he is very mean throughout the entirety of this episode especially when he sees jessica he flat out says 
there is no reason for Mrs. Fletcher to even be here. But then he's like, actually, there is some questions that I need to ask you. So he takes her into his office and he asks her if Frank ever told her what happened aboard the Dixie Damsel. Basically, she says that the fuel started to fail, the gears started to freeze, and the wings of the plane started to freeze because apparently it was very, very cold at that time in Alaska. And they couldn't maintain the altitude of where they were, so the order was given to abandon ship, a.k.a. jump out the plane. And they left and they jumped to the ground and had to spend literally, I believe, almost a month, she said, in the wilderness before they were found. Major Phelps stops her, or I'm sorry, Major Cooper stops her at this point and says, I know what happened when they got to the ground. I know all about that. That's all I wanted to know. He's very standoffish, very rude, very mean to Jessica, and pretty much everyone else involved. He doesn't soften until the end of the episode, and I just don't like it. So, um, while, while he's talking to Jessica, the Dixie Damsel arrives on the runway. They all go out to see him, and that's when we get introduced to General Lee Goddard, okay? He was on the crew with Frank as well as Major Phelps. So they're there. They were carrying the cargo of a General Marcus who had a car and various other things. We also get introduced to a Nicholas Rossi and a Sylvia Gariado. 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 Was, is presumed to be missing because he was in the plane, but they never found his body. They didn't know if he jumped or if he like died on impact or whatever. They couldn't find him. And his daughter, Sylvia, shows up with Nicholas Rossi because she wants to see if her father is truly dead. And of course, Sylvia is played by the wonderful Robin Streiser, who played the role of Dorian Gray on One Life to Live opposite Vicky, who was always causing troubles for Vicky. And of course, she also played the hilarious witch Hecuba, who constantly, who caused the Bennett's house on passions to suck into hell. (laughs) Fantastic actress. And it's great to see her in this episode. So she's very standoffish and rude to Jessica at first, but later she tells Jessica that she, that her father was never there for her and she really wants to make sure that her father is truly dead. Nicholas Rossi is apparently her father's cousin. So Lee shows up and they don't actually know what's going on why they've decided to fly the plane here, why Major Cooper is acting all secretive. So Lee decides to tell Major Phelps, Jessica, and Bonnie what's going on. Apparently, they found um, the body of Lieutenant Galliano perfectly preserved in the plane, 
with a bullet in his chest, meaning somebody shot him before they left the plane. And they have to figure out who murdered him. And Frank Fletcher has passed away. We don't know how or why or how long it's been, but it's been a while. And he's not there to speak for himself, but everybody else is. Um, including Lieutenant Dresser, who's a very heavyset man who seems to be an alcoholic, also shows up when Jessica is having dinner. And says that he was on there too. And that he was not a big, huge fan of Galliallo, um at all because he seemed like he was a very shady feller. Like he might have been, you know, smuggling stuff from a, from the United States and back. Um, we also find out that General Marcus, who has retired from the military, um, all of his cargo was on the plane, including a car and various trunks of various things. And it's all been perfectly preserved. But again, if you watch this episode and you look at how big this freaking plane is, it doesn't look like it would have been lost for 30 years. Also, there's no damage. It doesn't look like it hit anything. It looks like it just landed peacefully in the snow and people were blissfully unaware that it was there for 30 years. I mean, you could have done a little bit better there, writers, but we have to accept it for what it is. Um, because as soon as Lee says this, they are taking Galliano's body off of the plane. So, Major Cooper basically tells Major Phelps, um, Lieutenant Dresser, as well as Lee, that they all have to take polygraph tests to basically determine if they're telling the truth on what happened to Galliano. So the next day, um, they all take tests. Jessica, before this, runs into Sylvia. She apologizes to Jessica. She says that her father, she didn't really know her father, but he abandoned her and her mother at a very young age, was always going off and wanting an elaborate lifestyle. And she and her mother just did not fit into that narrative that he had decided to come up with for himself and uh, she wants to make sure that he's actually dead so that she doesn't have to worry about him popping up in her life unexpectedly it's very sad so they go to back to the base the next day the men take their polygraph tests and all of them pass with flying colors Major Cooper at first doesn't want to tell Jessica what his findings are, but then decides that maybe she deserves to know after Lee basically says if it concerns Frank Fletcher, then you need to tell Jessica. So they go into his office and he says that all of the men passed their, their and um, Nicholas Rossi is also there, and so is Sylvia, and Lieutenant Dresser seems to recognize Nicholas from somewhere, but can't quite pinpoint. Anyway, Jessica goes into Major Cooper's office and he basically says that all of the men 
passed their test with flying colors. And that it seems that there were five men on board this cargo plane and the only person that could have killed Mr. Galliano, Galliano was Frank Fletcher. Jessica is absolutely horrified as anyone would be that her husband is being accused of murder. Basically, Major Cooper did process of elimination. And since Frank is not there to defend himself, basically, he must be the murderer. Which is not fair in any way, shape, or form. And I would get mad if somebody accused my father of murdering someone. I would try to prove them wrong. I don't know how, but I would. Um, anyway, so from there, um, Jessica is just shocked. And then General Marcus shows up. So he goes to go talk to him. And he says, well, as far as I'm concerned, this case is closed. I'm not going to investigate any further. I found my man and it's going in my report. And Jessica says, well, I don't accept that. You're going to put that on his permanent record? And he goes, yes, ma'am, I am. She says, well, I don't accept that. I want to see your files. I want to see everything you have on every person on board in this whole investigation. And he says, well, only military personnel is allowed to do that. And Lee says, well, I am military personnel. And I say that whatever you have, Jessica can look at. And I will vouch for her. And... He says, very well, but I will come. I have another matter to attend to, and I will be right back. And he says, and Lee says, are you just dismissing us like that? And he says, no, we will discuss this when I get back. I mean, man, this dude is like a lot. So after Major Cooper leaves, he asks um, a Lieutenant Gaines, which was seen briefly, comes in and says, you are to entertain them while I'm gone and get them anything they want. Um, he asks them if they want anything. They say no. Um, and he closes the door behind them. At one point, he comes in and tells them he's leaving for some reason. Um, but uh, Jessica's like, that pompous, arrogant Major Cooper is being judged during an executioner. Frank would not have murdered anyone. And then she starts to go through the files on Major Cooper's desk. And Lee is like shocked at her determination. He was like, I understand how you feel. I don't think he did this, but what can we do? So meanwhile, we get introduced to General Marcus. Um, he says that he doesn't have much use for material things, but his wife does. The car was for her. He's kept the key all these years later. He doesn't know why. He just did. And he can't believe that his cargo is intact. Well, Jessica shows up at the hangar where all of the cargo from the plane is stored. And Major Cooper is literally shocked. Um, her and General Marcus shake hands. And she tells shows Major Cooper a picture of Galliano who is laying, lying dead with no parachute. And she wonders what happened to his parachute. When Major Cooper looks at the picture and goes, I don't know, where did you get this? And she's like, through the files that were on your desk. And he goes, why did you go through the files on my desk? You had no right. And General Marcus is like, I would simmer down there just a little bit. 
and I would listen to Jessica's theory because she may be on to something. So she then says, can I look at some of the stuff that was on the plane? And General Marcus is like, yes, you can. And then Major Cooper's like, you know, acting like a toddler that's been, that, you know, has been told no. Because he goes, really? But anyway, so um, Jessica's looking at the car and then she goes, who is the key for this? He goes, I do. And as she's like examining the trunk and she puts her hands on it, it opens. And he goes, that's impossible. Then she notices that there are three holes in it. And she goes, yep, there were six people on that plane. And whoever the sixth person was is the one who killed Galliano, not Frank. And Major Cooper begins to believe that maybe she's right. So, meanwhile, Jessica goes to the morgue, where Sylvia is looking at the body of her father, Galliano, and... He's perfectly preserved as if he, like, died yesterday. And it's really creepy. And um, she goes, yes, that is my father. And the coroner, I think, asks her, um, would you like him to be buried or cremated? Would you like to take the body back home with you? And she says, no, I don't care what you do with it. I want nothing to do with him. want nothing to do with him from now on as of this moment. He is dead and gone. I don't care what you do. And she walks out of the room, along with Nicholas. So later that that night, she is having dinner again with Lee and Phelps and his wife, who decide to leave after this dinner and, and go home, because he has some sort of pressing matters to attend to. I'm not entirely sure what, but they end up leaving. But not before, or actually they leave the next day, um, because Lieutenant Dresser comes in for a drink and basically has an incoherent conversation with them. They don't act like they want him around, so then he decides to leave. And then these random dudes go outside and say, Lieutenant Dresser... And he goes, what? And they stab him in his stomach. And he somehow managed to survive this. Jessica and Lee interview him in the hospital. And he says, they called me Lieutenant Dresser. And Jessica says, but why? You weren't wearing a uniform. How would they know that you were a lieutenant? You were wearing regular clothes. He says, I don't know. And then he basically said, he basically reveals uh, that Galliano had a partner. Um, somebody that he worked closely with, but he didn't know who it was. Meaning that there could be a sixth person on board. So Jessica decides to talk to Sylvia one more time. And Sylvia says, I don't know if he had any partners, Mrs. Fletcher. And unfortunately, I'm about to go home, so I cannot, I don't really know that much about what my father did, but I'm glad that he's dead. And that is sad. Um, so 
Jessica goes back to the hangar. Um, and Nicholas Rossi comes and says that he wants Galliano's duffel bag, which they found on the plane, perfectly preserved. And he wants it because Sylvia wants it. That she's really distraught and wants to have her father's duffel bag. Well, he overplayed his hand because this is basically the epiphany that Jessica needs. She realizes exactly what, who Nicholas Rossi is and says, Major Cooper, I don't think you want him to take that bag out of here. And Lieutenant or General Marcus and um, Lee are there and General Cooper, Major Cooper says, why don't you bring the bag over here, Rossi? We need to examine it before you go. So they put it on the table and they start going through it. And first of all, they see his clothes. But then Jessica notices that there's like a big bulky part of the bag that seems to be a secret compartment. So they open it and lo and behold, there's diamonds. Rossi tries to run, but Lee and General Marcus stop him. And... It turns out that Nicholas Rossi isn't even Nicholas Rossi. He's apparently a, a wanted man, um, like a wanted jewel thief or something. He's the one who killed Galliano and jumped off the plane and literally pretended to be Sylvia's long-lost cousin to find out more about the plane and all that other stuff. It would have been nice to have Robin... Streiser, like, react to this, but she doesn't appear in any more scenes after the last scene she had with Jessica, which is really sad. So then Lee, whom I mentioned in that little trivia fact, will appear in the next episode, which I've not seen, um, tells Jessica that he wants her to come to Texas with him, and he wasn't going to take no for an answer. And I think this is the only episode in which somebody is going somewhere with Jessica and they actually go to the place they say they're going with her in the next episode. I don't think this has ever happened before. And probably won't ever happen again. But then again, I don't know. Um, I, I know I've not seen the next episode. It doesn't sound, it doesn't sound familiar. Prediction, murder, it doesn't sound familiar to me or, or anything in between. But in case you were wondering, all right, since, you know, we're talking about, we've been talking about Mr. Dale Robinson, because that's the end of the episode. We'll go to his uh, IMDb page. He died in 2013 at the age of 89. He's known for the outcast of Poker Flate, Son of Sinbad, 1955, The One-Eye Soldiers, 1967, and Sitting Bull in 1954. Um, now, of course, I will go over more of his credits in the next episode, since I know now he's going to be in that episode, thanks to them spoiling it here. Um, but those from, just from that alone, like... I don't know if he was that profound. Let's let's go on his Wikipedia page because I'm I'm curious. All right. 
So he was best known for his starring roles on television. He played the revolving investigator Jim Hardy in the television series Tales of Wells Fargo and Railway Owner in Iron House. He was often presented as a modern Western hero from 1968 to 1970. He was the fourth and final host of the, of the analogy series Death Valley Days. Described by Time Magazine in 1959 as probably the best horseman on television. For most of his career, he played in Western films and television shows, well over 60 titles in all. Huh. So I guess um, maybe he thought he was big for that and wanted to be labeled as a get a special guest star. I don't know. Maybe there's more on here. I'm not sure. He played a central part in two episodes of Murder, She Wrote, but he was not credited in either appearance. But they don't go into why on there. Okay. All right, guys. I don't know. But that's okay. That's okay. If he wanted to remain uncredited, that's fine. Um, But... I'll have to remember that in the next episode when I go and watch it. Which, Lee was flirting with Jessica throughout the entirety of the episode. And honestly, in this, in this, no, not criticizing him, but just giving you a good idea, um, he didn't look like a Western star in this episode. He was very heavyset, just like um, Lieutenant Dresser was. So, I mean, I don't know. I would have, I would have wanted to be credited for this because obviously... The writers are trying to get him to be like a love interest for Jessica. But anyway, Michael A-N-S, uh, 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 Michael Acera played our murderer, our secret murderer, because I did not see that coming. He died in 1991. Or no, oh my God, I'm so sorry, guys. He died in 2013 at the age of 91. <laughs> He's known for The Message, 1977. 1976, The Man, M-A-N-I-T-O-U, 1978, Assassination, 1987, and I Dream of Jeannie, three episodes. Last credited role was voicing the role of Mr. Freeze in a Batman Vengeance video game, and he voiced Mr. Freeze in several other things, like Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero, which is one of my favorite um, Batman cartoon movies directed video, as well as um, on Batman the Animated Series. That was one of my favorite episodes on there, too. I did not like the way that they betrayed uh, Mr. Freeze and Batman and Robin. Very interesting backstory for that character. This is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. He was in 199 different projects. Like The Fall Guy, Hill Castle, Hard Castle and the Kermit Hunter, Days of Our Lives, three episodes. 
Spider-Man and his amazing friends, Thunder and the Barbarian. Thunder and the Barbarian. So lots of like voiceover work for cartoons. I can see that. I can see that, yeah. Doctor Strange TV movie. I didn't know that there was a Doctor Strange TV movie. You learn something new every day. Greatest Heroes of the Bible, The Rockford Files, Swiss Family Robinson TV show. See, I didn't even know there was a Swiss Family Robinson TV show. Magical World of Disney as a narrator. Police Story, McMullen and Wife, Shaft TV show. Mod Squad, The Bill Cosby Show, Before the Cosby Show. Which I always wondered... Why was the Cosby Show called the Cosby Show when they were called the Hoxtables? I guess we'll never know. Land of the Giants, Here Come the Bride, Star Trek, Tarzan, TV show, The Fugitive, Daniel Boone, The Virginian, Bewitched, The Man from Uncle, The Greatest Story Ever Told, lots of people were in that. Angela Lansbury was in that herself, played a very small role, but she was in it. Perry Mason, the TV show, original. Barbara Stanwyck show. Um, the Avengers of Rim Tim Tim, the dog. Cool. Alfred Hitchcock presents. Love that too. Al Abbott in Costello, meet the mummy. Awesome. Princess of the Nile. <laughs> And let's see what his first credited role was, because it's a lot. Um, 1947, Intrigue. And he acted from 1947 to 2001. Awesome, you go, sir. Jane Greer played Bonnie Phelps. She died in 2001 at the age of 76. She was known for Out of the Past, 1947, The Big Steel, 1949, Situation West, 1948, and Sid the Sailor, 1947. Last credited role was in 1996 in Perfect Mate. She was also in three episodes of the hit show Twin Peaks. This is her only episode of Murder, She Wrote. She was also on the spinoff The Law and Harry McGraw. I might continue, I might watch some of those episodes for you guys, but I'm not sure. Because the first one I didn't really like. Uh, she was in six episodes of Falcon Crest. Never seen that show, but everybody said it was good. Um, she was in the movie Against All Odds. The movie with uh, Phil Collins singing, I'm here against all odds. And da -da -da -da. Yep, love that song. Never seen that movie, but I know the poster and I know the song. He was in Columbo. She was in Columbo. Um, Stagecoach West. Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Lots of MGM movies. Um, first credited role was in 1945, so she acted from 1945 to 1996. You go, girl. Rest in peace. Uh, Clifton James played Lieutenant Dresser. He died in 2017 at the age of 96. He's known for Live and Let Die. Woo! 
1973, my dad loved that song. Cool Hand Luke, 1967, Superman 2, 1980, and The Man with the Golden Gun, 1974. Two James Bond movies. Last credited roles in 2006 called Raising Flag. Okay. He was on All My Children in one episode. Oh, he was in the box office bomb, The Bonfires of the Vanities, with Tom Hanks and Bruce Willis. He was also in the original Night Court. Love the original Night Court. He was in the original Dallas, She Devil with Roseanne. This is the only episode of Murder, She Wrote. He was in uh, Highway to Heaven, The A-Team, Chapter John and D, The Fall Guy, Lois and Clark, um, Dukes of Hazard, Young Maverick, The Bad News, Bears in Breaking Training, Silver Streak with Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, Um, Six Million Dollar Man, uh, Gunsmoke and Bonanza, Ironside, and let's see, his first credited role was in Rocky King Detective in 1953, so he acted from 1953 to 2006. And he was good in this episode. I really liked him. Martin Miner played the role of Major Phelps. He died in 2015 at the age of 83. He is known for Sweet Smell Success, 1957. Gunfight at the OK Corral, Valley of the Dolls, 1967. I recently saw some of that movie. And it was really good. But a lot of people criticized it for some reason. I don't know. And Adam 12, 174 episodes. As Officer Pete Mallory. Last credited role was in Diagnosis Murder in 1997. And he will appear... Oh, he was the sheriff in Reflections of the Mind in Season 2. Huh. Sorry, guys, it's been a while since I've seen season two and I didn't recognize him. But he will appear in season seven, ten, and twelve, so I'll try to remember. Robocop had a TV show? Huh. I did not know that either. <laughs> uh, Richard Roundtree played the really mean Major Cooper, which basically after they discover that, you know, Mr. Rossi is the murderer. He tells Jessica that maybe he could have done things differently. And she tells him the advantage was that you didn't know my husband and I do. But still, he could have been nicer. They could have let him be nicer. Uh, he died last year at the age of 81 in 2023. And he was a really, really good actor. Known for being in Shaft, 1971, Brick, 20. 2005, Speed Racer, 2008, and George of the Jungle, 1997. Uh, it says he has two upcoming projects. Oh, somebody on IMDb needs to do better. It says there's a TV show called Buddies 
1996. So it's not upcoming. It's already been, it's already been done and over with. And then some short that hasn't been released. His last credited role was something called Thelma, that I guess will be coming out this year at some point. He was also on the Netflix comedy show Family Reunion um, with Loretta Devine and Tia Mari, or, or Tamara Mari, one of them. Love them both. Um, what Men Want, Legal Weapon TV show, Star TV show, Chicago Fire, four episodes, Pri Private Practice, The Mentalist, Knight Rider, Lincoln Heights. That was a good show. They should release that on DVD. Grey's Anatomy, Blade, the series. Didn't know that Blade had a series either. Desperate Housewives. Um, 1-800-Missing, love that show too. Um, Soul Food, TV show. Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Uh, 4313, Hope Street. Huh. Never heard of that. Um, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Touched by an Angel, The Wayans Brothers TV show, Bonanza Under Attack TV movie, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Bonanza The Return, Annieville A New Generation, they need to stop making so many films, Christmas in Connecticut 1992 remake, L.A. Law, Beverly Hills 90210 Generations, which was a soap opera, a really good soap opera that was canceled too soon. Um, 21 Jump Street, Beauty and the Beast, A Different World. This is his only episode of Murder, she wrote. He was in an after-school special. Outlaws, City Heat, Masquerade TV show, Magnum P.I., Chips, Love Boat, Roots, which I have started, Sam Bennett, I'm not sure what character that is, but um, I have started reading the book Roots, and so far it's really, really good. He was also Miles in Earthquake. I love that movie. I knew he looked familiar. He was so good in that movie, and I love Earthquake. I have it on DVD. And they did a Shaft TV show with him, but I guess it didn't last very long. And Shaft was his first credited role. Although on IMDb, it says his last credited role, or first credited roles as the world turns, as Oliver Travers. But that was in 2002 to 2003. So that was much later. I don't know why they put it on the bottom. But his first role was in Shaft in 1971. He was such a good actor. May you rest in peace, sir. Then we have Robin Streiser, who played Sylvia. And she is, of course, still with us. And she is known for One Life to Live as Dorian Gray from 1979 to 2013. She was also in 217 episodes as Hecuba on Passions. In 17 episodes on Days of Our Lives as Vivian. And she's known for being in two episodes of MacGyver, the original MacGyver. Absolutely loved her on Passions and on One Life to Live from what I've seen. 
Her last credited role is being on Days of Our Lives in 2019. She needs to be cast in more things. Um, she was also on the online version of One Life to Live that was canceled. And the original One Life to Live. She was also on All My Children. It's a different character. Um, she was on Dorma and Gray. An ABC After School Special in 1996. Goose Point. I don't know what that was. Um, Lady Boss TV miniseries. Um, Dear John TV show, Coach TV show, 14 episodes of Knott's Landing. Um, Blind Faith miniseries. This is her only episode of Murder, she wrote. Uh-huh. She was in Murphy Brown, China Beach, Highway to Heaven, The Rookies. And she was on Another World between 1967 and 1972 as the original Rachel. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, none of these episodes exist for anyone to see because um, there was not a thing called a v VCR in 1967, I don't think. So unfortunately, the her episodes are lost. And how I know about Another World, my grandma... Um, would watch Another World and All My Children. She would watch All My Children at one, Another World at two, and was really angry when it got canceled and replaced by Passions. Um, her first credited role is between 1964 and 1966 on the soap opera The Secret Storm, which was one of the first soap operas to ever air on television. I learned about that in a book. And one of the first soap operas canceled on television, too. Then we have, I cannot pronounce this dude's name, but he's General Marcus, um, E-F-R-E-M-Z-I-M-B-A-L-I-S-T, Jr. I have no idea. He died in 2014 at the age of 95. He is known for Wait Until Dark, 1967, Batman, Mask of the Plantism as Alfred, 77, Sunset Strip, 173 episodes of that TV show, and Hot Shots, 1991. Last credited role was The Delivery, 2008. It's a short. He did some. He did a lot of like voiceover work for the Justice League, Supercrossed, Justice League TV show as Alfred, Batman, Mystery of the Batwoman, Alfred again. He was also in Batman Vengeance, which was the same as the other guy. Did Superman the Animated Series, The New Batman Adventures, 101 Dalmatians the Series. That was good. Spider-Man the Animated Series in the 90s as Dr. Octavius. Batman Superman movie, World's Finest. The New Adventures of Batman and Robin Activity Center. It's a video game. Mighty Ducks, the animated series, Picket Fences, Gargoyles, Batman, the animated series, love it, The Nanny, Heaven Help Us, um, and he will appear in season seven and nine of Murder, She Wrote. So we'll go over more of his guest starring roles when we get there. I'll try to remember. I definitely won't forget a name like that. And... Danny Haskell played Lieutenant Gaines, and 
he was in and out real fast that I didn't get a chance to recognize him, but he's known for A Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Nightfall, and Columbo. He was only in 12 different things, and his last credited role was in 2022, Reunion from Hell 2. But he played Dan, the um, love interest of Alice, the main character in part four and five of Nightmare on Elm Street. And his first credited role was in The New Gidget in 1987. But I swear he was there for like a brief moment and he was gone. I would have recognized him. And a young Frank Fletcher was played by John Newberg. And he is still alive and acting to this very day. He is known for Leverage Redemption, two episodes, Dark Waters, 2000 or 2019, The Resident, three episodes, my best friend Michelle loves that show, and The Blind Side, 2009. Um, last credited role was The Nana Project in last year, and Dolly Parton's Mountain Magic Christmas. He has two upcoming... Um, Projects Into the Fire and Somebody Like You is in 49 different projects overall in his career. Um, Watchmen TV miniseries, Homeland, um, NCIS New Orleans, which, speaking of NCIS, like, um, since this was like a military crime, Gibbs would have been so much nicer to Jessica if if he was solving this. I just started watching NCIS, the first one, um, on Paramount+. Plus. They're like up to 21 seasons now, and I'm only on season three. But I'm enjoying it so far. I couldn't really get into Jack, but I'm really enjoying NCIS. And I have seen a couple episodes of NCIS in New Orleans, and it's really good. Drop Dead Diva, that was a good show. Army Wives, The Client with Jennifer Love Hewitt, In the Heat of the Night, The Bold and Beautiful. This is the only episode of Murder, She Wrote, and his first ever role was in Simon and Simon. You go, sir. Really, 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 really like this episode. I understand um, Jessica's desperation and grief, wanting to clear Frank's name. Like I said, if... Anybody said my father did something, I would want to put it in the wrong. Um, I really love this episode. Sorry about the mix-up with the character names, and I had to re-record it. But I'll definitely be releasing this episode later today. Happy Valentine's Day! Um, and remember, tomorrow, all the chocolate is, like, half off. So, it's tomorrow's even better than Valentine's Day, according to people on Facebook. Um... But remember, you matter, you're here for a reason, and you're awesome, and you can do anything you set your mind to, and I love you. Um, thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and night, depending on when you listen to this. Happy crime solving when watching Murder, She Wrote. Think of me, and I will see you in the next episode when we get to follow Lee to Texas. Oh boy, can't wait to see what happens next with this character. Bye now!